The following episode of FOFOP is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. FOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Welcome to FOFOP, episode 299, and welcome back to the podcast. The star of DOFOP, it's guest Charlie, number one, where? Dave Anthony. <laughs> I don't know what episode we're up to, what our anniversary <laughs> is of you on this podcast. DOFOP, is that new? I, have, I don't think I've ever heard that. I, I did not correct, uh, create it. Uh, fans of FOFOP, which is this weird underground subset of my podcasting world, which I absolutely love because Fofop is definitely the side project, the spin-off <laughs> band. And there is just this small hardcore group of people who just really only love right. Fofop. Like they, they, they can give or take the other ones, but they're real Fofop fans. So when it goes on hiatus, when it comes back, there's a real bit of excitement because it's like some band that you liked hasn't played a gig for six years and then suddenly they like release yeah, no. an album and there's this underground community of like 12 people who are excited about it. And so apparently your episodes are, are the Dofop collection and there are people, and this is what I love as well, there are people who come to the podcast, you know, they come from the dollop or something, you know, uh, maybe knowing me from that and obviously, you know, it's your podcast and then they come over here to get a bit more Dave Anthony content <laughs> and then they realise there's like 120 episodes and it's basically its own podcast and it has been rebranded online as the, that's the Dofop oh God, collection. So you can actually listen to a podcast within a podcast. You can start with Dofop and then move more broadly onto Fofop apparently. It's almost like if Dogstar just had songs that the drummer sang and, and right. those were people's favourites. Well, I guess it's like going to a White Stripes gig and like, you know, only sticking around for the Meg White songs. <laughs> yeah. Those sad people. <laughs> um, hey, uh, speaking of sad people, how are you? Are you in what? Ireland or is this conversation going to be used against you in your uh, trial, your imminent and oncoming public trial? At this point, it's all going to be used against me at the trial. Although I don't even think it'll be a trial. It's just going to be like after I've lived in the stadium camp for uh, six months and they just go, uh, Dave Anthony, what are your crimes? Treason against the Trumps. And then boom, that's it. Yeah, that old that old fashioned idea that they'll need to offer any sort of evidence or you know, right. kind of judicial procedure has quick. We skipped past that. We skipped past the bit where they were going to collect evidence on you. They've already decided you're guilty into the stadium. The the evidence is that someone said it out loud. That's the evidence. Like I, I believe because you know Christopher Nolan's Tenet is the first movie that's going to you know hit theaters and you know the whole movie industry needs it to work because like that's you know the sign that people will go back to the movies etc etc etc. I believe he always has it. You know Christopher Nolan always has a big uh, pre-credits 
you know, sort of, it's almost oh, like yeah. a short film and it'll be before the credits, right? Um, you know, and it's yeah. some of the best filmmaking that he does. I hope that the first 10 minutes of Tenet or Tenet or whatever, how you say it, I hope the first 10 minutes is him just staring down the film camera and going, ah, oh, so you thought The Dark Knight Rises was a bit far-fetched, did you? Yeah. Oh, you thought that it would be ridiculous that something like that would happen. Well, I'm also a, a prophet as well as a filmmaker. So fucking in your face. Like, wow. How quickly. It's crazy how many times I've thought about Bane and just been like, oh, I kind of nailed a lot of this stuff. Right. The mask. I mean, <laughs> the wanton destruction. It's just so crazy. Yeah, the exciting thing about uh, fascism and and living through its birth is uh, how stupid it is. I, that's something they never talked about in any of the the books I read about fascism is how fucking dumb everybody is. Like, really, just it's a level of dumb that you cannot believe what's going on. But then, how does it? I mean, because look, I, I'm going to say that. You know, like you've predicted a lot of stuff on this podcast. Thank, like, thank God it all came right. Too much stuff <laughs> to make me feel, to make me feel comfortable. To be honest, <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, oh man, am I going to have to start listening to everything Dave says? Because like, there was just some stuff that maybe the NBA is rigged. <laughs> I, uh... I was over at my friend's house the other day, and he goes. I got to tell you, you started talking about riots a few months ago, and, and I honestly, yeah. me and some friends sat around, and we were joking and laughing at you. And he goes, I feel like I should apologize, even though you didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm, you know, uh, there has been times, particularly early on when you talked about fascism, that I was hopeful, at the very least, that it was not going to get that far, even though there were certainly some early warning signs and in retrospect there were massive red flags the entire <laughs> fucking way through, right? It's never it's yeah. never going to... Like, now that it's where it is, you can look back and go, it is completely... It's not like you can look back and go, well, why didn't we see any signs? We did. There was constant signs. The, constant. the reason we forgot about the signs was we were distracted by the next sign. That was yeah. what has happened and everybody, there's just within our nature to diminish it. It was the same thing with COVID. Like, I'm never yeah. going to win an argument in my house for the rest of my life because I said that it was going to be okay. Because I thought uh, it would be perhaps like a SARS or something, but we live in a you know, a first world country that's on an island with good Medicare. I was like, there's no sense in Australia that this will really affect our lives. And then absolutely fucking wrong, right? Yeah. I could not have been wronger about that. And I think it's... It's absolutely the same. Yeah, it, it, COVID's a really interesting one because I, I started lying to people because uh, my my beliefs of what it was going to be were so dark that I didn't want to freak people out. <laughs> I think it was Jonah, Jonah Ray who was like, you said this is all going to be okay. And I was like, I probably did. I didn't mean that. But like, I after a while, I, I just saw how much people were freaking out when I talk about it, and I was just reading the science and like reading what was happening in China and being like, "God, this is going to get really fucking bad." See, I wasn't though, and I reckon this is a good example of, um, uh, you know, this sort of groupthink or when you're in a community where you know, why very different people have very disparate reactions to something like this is when you're surrounded by a group of people who think one way, it is very for easy for you to also think that way. Yes. And where I was at the Fringe Festival in Adelaide 
most of it's in a garden in tents with like tens of thousands of people going in and out of those tents every day. So even though there might have been some science online that, you know, suddenly there was this disease going around the world, you weren't seeing it in your day to day. You were seeing hippies hugging and eating you yeah. know food out of caravans in the middle of a park and <laughs> it did not feel like it could possibly be a real thing because if it were a real thing why are we all doing this still <laughs> <laughs> that's totally right and now and now i think i mean you guys are all probably watching america um our covid response is is even it's not just the right wing now it's even liberals are just like yeah we're gonna live our lives mm-hmm. uh and everyone's just acting like it's not happening in some communities in my community, in my town, everyone's pretty on top of it and masks and everything. But like go to the town over and everyone's just hanging out and you're like, okay, well you guys do that. It's, it's bizarre. It's so now, obviously, um, you know, like there are cities that are on fire and, you know, there's, you know, police and military on the streets and there's, you know, I mean, we spoke we spoke last time about the idea that I mean, I was surprised that there had not been riots already. I, that was the big thing yeah. that surprised me because when people were stockpiling guns and stuff at the start, I was like, "There's no way that there's not going to be riots." But what has really happened is that everybody has built up all that aggression and had time to think about things and you know really get you know fired up. And then I like I mean, and I mean this in the the only one way, which is the perfect inciting incident, which was it wasn't just someone started looting, you know, yeah, but there was a genuine you know moment of you know state against citizen you know, complete and utter outrage that galvanized a whole bunch of the community and opened a whole bunch of issues, and then the way that it's been handled in response by power. You know, not you know, power not deflecting it in any way. Power, you know, you know, encouraging it. It is yeah. a perfect furnace scenario that you think how how do we back down from this? How how do you get back down from where it is at now? Because it is so adversarial and it is so out of control. How does how do, what happens next? It it doesn't. I mean. Uh, I don't know if you guys are getting a sense of this because it's very strange to uh, to I, like I know what's happening because I'm I'm online. Um, a lot of people here don't know what's happening because they're just watching the news, so they don't they're not seeing it. Like if you watch CNN, you're not seeing what I'm seeing, which is videos of people on Twitter posting stuff. Um, and then I wonder what you guys see in your other country. Like riots are this is all still happening in small towns and in. in medium cities and big cities, it's still happening every single day. There's still tear gas. There's still riots. So when when Trump did his little uh, Handmaid's Tale moment when he gassed the park, then did his walk, and then held up his Bible, and, and um, you know, that was his, it was his dictator power move, right? That was something he had read that you do in books and seen in movies. Um, so the big the big concern there uh, for me that was my that was when I was freaking out because it was like I thought that would be it I thought that people would then be so scared that they wouldn't come out but the next day more people came out and the next day more people came out so it backfired just like I heard it backfired in France uh, when when they when they the police cracked down there the next day more people came out. And there was another country. What other countries had issues lately? 
but there was another country I heard I read the same thing. There was a big crackdown, and the next day more people came out. So uh, it didn't work. And I guess that's a, a you could you could look. I'm not a patriotic guy, but I'm like sitting there in my house and I'm talking to my wife, and I'm like, you know, we have two choices. We try to get out of here immediately, or we stay. And if we stay. I'm I'm not a guy that sits on the sidelines. Like you didn't marry that guy. I don't sit it out. It's just not going to happen. So uh, so even me, I was like, he if he if he does that, I, I'm going to go out on the streets. So I went on the streets. I went to a protest. We're all putting our lives on the line because of COVID, and everyone's like, it's too big. It's too big of a deal to not do that. Because at some point, you know, the infection's there. It's going to affect a lot of people. But if we all sit inside, it's a fascist takeover. And this is why I mean. Again, not the first person to make the ob- observation and we've made it ourselves before. But if, if this was the opening scenes of a movie about the end of the fucking world, you'd be like, this is too, <laughs> the montage is too quick. Stop down on a few of these things one at a time. You don't need to have the protests, in, but it's the perfect scenario because, as you said, there is this world, There, I can understand both sides of what you're saying um, in, in regard to, Firstly, the pandemic hasn't gone away. So you are genuinely no. endangering your lives and other people's lives by going out there to do that. But at the same time, if you don't go out to do that, there is an equally compelling reason that you know you need to you know, put yourself in that danger. But it doesn't diminish the danger or the possibility of the pandemic yeah. going on for much longer or killing a whole bunch of other people. So it is this horrible situation that is only being made worse by this other horrible situation. Yes, 100%. And again, this is this is climate change. This is, you know, the reason that that uh, pandemics are happening more and more frequently is because we're going further and fur- further into places in nature and encroaching into places where animals exist and all that other stuff. And and this is all part of us destroying the environment. So these are going to happen more and more often. And also fascism crops up when that's going on because the other side gets scared and terrified and wants to stop everything that's happening. So, uh, yeah, you're, it's, it's very weird to describe because I've read books about people who, you know, were in Nazi Germany and, and, and that's clearly where we are. If you don't realize that now, I don't know what to tell you. Like this is America's always been building up to this. And, and I, I talked to people in like 1992 who were from Germany and they, and they told me this, Back then, you're heading towards Nazi Germany. You're, America is heading towards it. And now it's on overdrive. And, and like, I don't, I don't know if you guys are having this experience where you are, because life is relatively normal outside of the, the COVID. You guys aren't, like, trying to murder each other. And to be honest, like, most, I'm going to say this also. Like, to be honest, a lot of places here, it's a bit back to normal. You know, people aren't going to sporting yeah. events or to, you know, theatre or shows and things like that. And a bunch of people are still working from home. But kids are back at school. You can go to the shops. People yeah. are genuinely in areas where there are no cases at all and are pretty much behaving like, you know, it's got a vaccine and it's cured, which is a little disturbing because there, you know, may be a second wave. But in a general sense, if you want to know how people are living, they're living with hand sanitizer at everywhere you go and people trying to do social yeah. distancing. But it does feel like very much like a return to life as usual, just in time for bushfire season. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, well, I've seen that. I'm seeing that in a lot of countries. So what? So what? So what? You guys don't understand is, it's almost like there's no more time. Like time doesn't exist. You know, Stalin had a famous quote of sometimes decades happen over decades and sometimes decades happen over weeks. So that's what it feels like. It feels like like since since February, I mean, it feels like 10 years have happened every day, every hour, every minute. It's this rush of just madness coming at you. And it's and it's some of it is completely life altering madness. And so. It's just this jerking sort of relentless thing that doesn't stop. And your sense of how long things have been is just annihilated. Well, we made it to episode 299 without saying, you know who nailed it? Stalin. (laughs) So... Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's a sense of that in my life in particular and, you know, um, because I obviously moved to the country as well, you know, during this time. So I would have probably been feeling a sense yeah. of timelessness and isolation anyway. But, you know, the combination of being completely unemployed for the first time in 25 years and, uh, you know, being in literal social isolation in the sense of where that I live and then being in Australia, which seems so isolated from the rest of the world's experience, you know, in a lot of ways of what's going on in that we went through, yeah. you know, the fear that everybody went through and the shutdown that everybody went through. But in a lot of ways, fingers crossed, life is returning to semi-normal here, uh, you know, exponentially in, in front of, you know, like Spain's, Spain's going to be shut down until like January or something they announced recently, you know. So it's, um, you know, wow. it, it, we feel very lucky you know for the experience that we're having here and the perspective we have here but i think that that also has led to us not i think if it this is the thing i come back to with what's happening in america is that if it were happening in any other country we would recognize it for what it is but because it's happening in america it like if it walks like a duck and it you know, sends in the fucking troops to you know open fire on fucking citizens like a duck, then it's probably a fascist dictator. But somehow, because the fascist dictator used to be on a fucking reality show and sold real estate, which actually, if you look at fascist <laughs> dictators, is actually pretty good qualifications for what you fucking need. You know, some yeah, high-profile yeah, media position and, yeah. you know, some sort of, like, you know, overinflated sense of self and, you know, being born into some sort of, you know, unearned and, you know, uh, unpaid-for privilege or whatever it is. It's it actually... And being dumb enough. Like, because that's... Like, just it feels so dumb. That's what you were saying. And that's what I wanted to return to is the overwhelming sense of, oh, this is who broke it? This dumb fucking idiot. Like, because, and I don't even mean that in a let's take down Trump, because why would you fucking take down? He's he's literally like like a person who cannot string sentences together, cannot comprehend things. Like the idea that any day he says anything more outrageous or less outrageous than the fucking scrabble fucking word salad that comes out of his mouth at any fucking given time. We know what he is. We know what he fucking believes. Who gives a shit what he actually fucking says? Because we all know exactly what he is and what he believes and what he's trying to fucking do. What more evidence... What more evidence do you need? If you made a list of things that 
dictators do. It's very weird that if he's not a dictator, he is just doing all these same things that dictators do as a fucking coincidence. But we still, that is still what we kind of justify in our minds. And this is why I worry about everything is because I think that we have a way of going, now COVID, it'll be fine. Things are always fine. And of course, yes, Donald Trump's acting a bit dictatory. But like, you know, I'm sure he's not a full dictator. Like, I mean, yes, he's like 80 or 90% of the dictatory things he does are very dictatory. But like, again, come on. The guy from The Apprentice, he can't be. But he is. Uh, yeah, he is. He is. And, and, you know, I think what you're talking about is normalization. It's it, it That's something that if really when you're sliding into fascism, normalization is sort of fascinating because the stuff that's really just a t- terrible and horrible just f- is gone within a week or so. And you move on to the next horrible thing and you're just like, oh, that's it. That's all normal. Oh, so. So cops can just tear gas everybody um, and that's no one's going to bring up that that's actually against the Geneva conventions that we're doing it. To, like, it's just you, it just everything just gets quickly normalized and you're like, oh, so that's just a thing that we're doing. Well, that itself is just incredible, isn't it? Like, because um, I know that you 100 percent believed in about everything that Obama did and would have voted for him a third time. But um, there are some <laughs> other people who've had some criticisms of his time in office, but I know you're a. <laughs> yes, we can. You're wearing I mean, a yes, you, you, yes, we can uh, t-shirt today. But, but the thing that I will say is how quickly things changed. In that, absolutely, there were things that they looked over in Obama's because they wanted to believe, you know, different things. They looked over things. But the idea that any one of the you know, five scandals a week wouldn't have done much more severe damage to Obama and previous politicians, like you know these. The rate of these scandals, the way that it went from, yeah, one of the, the two of these would be something that really haunted you for your entire presidency to this dude just gives you fucking five or six of them a week and now none of them matter because there's just so many of them. Yeah, they just come at you so rapid fire. And if he wants to distract from one, he just creates another one. It's just like startling to watch. And, and, and no one who's a sensible person can really wrap their head around it as opposed to sort of like cutting through it and really like, there's a way to really get to Trump if you want. Um, But everyone just seems to want to focus on his hypocrisy. What is it? What is the way to really get to Trump? Okay. Well, we, we just saw it. We just saw it. So, uh, so the protesters on, I think it was Friday night got super close to the white house. So much so that CNN wasn't showing it. Like we, we, we were, we were, and we, we will be again, on the verge of people taking over government bodies, um, government buildings. I mean, you know, the white house could have easily fallen like people, you know, Gerard Butler was right. I'm trying to say Gerard Butler knew. Yeah, what he planned it. I believe we could get that on Infowars. So um, <laughs> we just need a Reddit forum and whack that on Infowars, and we'll have a, a YouTube video channel with like a million point five subscribers. And fuck it, you know what? We'll sell it to Spotify. So anyway, here's what I'm going to say about that: is he's built a fucking fence around the White House now, though. Like he's literally finally built his wall, and yeah, it's yeah. around the White House. And that wasn't him. That that was. That was the Secret Service in the military, because, look, if you're in a situation, it doesn't matter what fucking country you're in. It doesn't matter where you are. If people see that people are 
pulling barriers out of the Secret Service's hands, that's power. And if there's power happening on the streets, more people will come out to be a part of that. And so they couldn't they weren't showing it on CNN. I was only seeing it online. They were acting like it wasn't happening. But I was like, how close are these guys going to fucking get? And what does that mean if you if you actually what does that mean to the American people and the people who are angry if they look outside and they see people streaming across the lawn of the White House running towards the building? Like it's a whole different mindset. Now everything you thought about your country is different. So that's there. That's a thing that can happen anytime. Everyone, everyone who is in power is really aware of it. I don't think a lot of liberals and other people are aware of it, but, but you know, I've, you've seen it in other countries. America's not any fucking different. Once there's a bunch of bodies out in the street, all bets are off. Everything can change at any minute. And once people think they're powerful, there's a quote from a secret service agent today. Uh, 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 a reporter was talking to him on the street and uh, off the record, because uh, the I want to say the tr- the treasury was spray painted with all this shit or something, and she and she said, "Can you believe this?" And he goes, "There's 40 million people unemployed. I can't believe this building's still here." That's a Secret Service agent. You can't have this many people unemployed, and your government's not going to survive. Okay, so all right. <laughs> Find it hard to argue against. Find it hard to argue against anything that you've said. I I can't. Sorry, just took a moment to appreciate the life that I had. I can't tell you how many times (laughs) that's what I was doing. I was just breathing in the country air through the uh, uh, window that I have in front of me as I record this. As you're in your underground bunker. I fucking hell, man. It's just a, it's just a, it's just a fucking numbers thing. You know, we're the most unequal society since the French Revolution. What the fuck did everybody think was going to fucking happen? At some point, the peasants can't fucking take it anymore. And the spark was was uh, was this poor guy, apparently the sweetest fucking guy in the world, getting killed by a guy he used to be a bouncer with at a at a fucking club. This cop was power over him on the street. But that's the spark, and the spark can be anything. The spark can always be anything. It doesn't matter what the spark is, but there's always going to be a spark because our society always has sparks, and unequal societies have more sparks than, uh, than equal societies. So we constantly have sparks. So there's always going to be a spark, and there's going to be another fucking spark worse than the spark that we just had. Yeah, but then the pumpkin spice latte is going to be back, and people will be excited about that for a bit. Okay. That's what I've been waiting for. I mean, that's all I've been thinking about is when are they going to get this fucking pumpkin spice latte? Is it not pumpkin spice latte season already, guys? Can we not have a little pumpkin spice latte when we're in lockdown? (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, all right. But, okay. Then what happens? What happens next then? What's your little prediction of what you think happens next? Uh, it's so funny. Someone asked what, what they thought the prediction was on Twitter, and I was just reading all of them. They're all fascinating. I don't, I don't have one. I mean, I, I, I think all bets are off. Which is also uh, Trump's running slogan for 2020. Did you know that? Trump, all bets are off. <laughs> um, I would guess that this is going to end up in a brutal dictatorship. But, you know, there's weird things. Like, I didn't expect the military to not support Trump when he said he wanted to put troops everywhere. That didn't go well for him. Military wasn't down. Which is good. 
That is a good sign because if it had gone the other way, then you're in real trouble from what I've read in history books. Well, here's the thing. I mean, yeah, right. The, the, the reason that Handmaid's Tale was uh, written is because mm. I believe, uh, I, I remember reading a little bit about this, but I can't remember exactly, but it was because she was watching uh, Christian fascism. She was watching it take over the military. They, they've been um, taking over a military for a very long time, and it's one of the dollops I haven't done because I think it'll scare the living shit out of people, but I've always considered mm. doing it. Um, they, 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 they constitute about 30% of our military, and I don't mean they're kind of religious. I mean they're ISIS, ISIS fucking lunatics of, of, of Christendom. They are insane Christian fucking lunatics. Christians have been sending their kids into the army for years to train for their takeover. Now, I don't know how many of them there there are. It's right there in the song, Onward Christian Soldiers. It's a (laughs) fucking guidebook. I don't know what you're talking about. So that's the big factor out there that's in my head of like, what is that thing doing? What is that weird machine up to? Because it hasn't hasn't raised its head yet. But if you go read about them... They talk about it all the time, and sometimes they'll get drummed out of the army when they when they come out and say something they shouldn't. They'll get kicked out, but they're in all kinds of leadership positions, and they're they're a fucking scary group of people. Well, okay, so here's the thing: I've I've got an idea, and this might be an entirely offensive idea, but I'm going to pitch it to you anyway, and then uh, we can see how we go. Because look, you know, it's hard have for you this not, not have to. Have you not heard? Have you not heard anything I said? There's nothing that can be said that's offensive at this point. Well, this approach may be slightly insensitive is what I'm going to say, but I'm going to put it out there in the hope that this can still remain to be a comedy podcast in some way. So, um, (laughs) I think so far they've declassified us from the comedy section into the, uh, oh fuck section of uh, iTunes, but uh, here's what I'm going to say. I like this because this is actually quite exciting to me, which is I didn't know that there was like these secret other like this now is more interesting to me than the final season of Game of Thrones. Like who are all the tribes? Like if it is the final season of Game of Thrones and everybody's been building secret armies and shit because suddenly I'm like, oh my God, like these like Christians have been infiltrating the army for all this time just for this moment where they suddenly have to come out and like, you know, form their own and just this is... I mean, now it's exciting, right? How many different other tribes? Tell me what the <laughs> tell me what the families are, Game of Thrones style in America. If America goes to war, oh my god, I can't remember the names of the fucking families in Game of Thrones. You don't need to. I don't care. I just want to know who the. I don't need them to be like Game of Thrones. I just need to. You know, so say America is the the show. Um, who are yeah. all the competing sort of families, tribes, you know, in the showdown for America? So there's there's the, the I'll call them the Christian fascists, the ones that we have just seen, right? Uh, there's the libertarians, the Koch brothers. Uh, they mostly make up the millionaire class, but they have a lot of um, media control. Uh, so I always call that they're called the Coctopus in America, which are the Koch brothers and all of their little uh, quizlings. Uh, so they're another one. Uh, they are... Great. Love it. That's great too. In this show, they're going to all have like the 
um, the octopus tattoo on their back that they reveal to <laughs> each right. other in secret right. meetings. I love it. This is great. Uh, then there's the the mass of uh, the the political and and media elites who are they just want everything to stay the same so they can keep making their money. They're the sort of the pampered and, and well-off ruling class who don't want anything to change, even though it's clearly changing rapidly. And if, and if they're sending someone to the negotiating table for the meet, you know, the sit down, the meeting, who who's representing that class? Like who, if the Koch brothers are representing the Coctopus, who's representing that, that family, mm. that class of people? Obama. <laughs> <laughs> He's the great leader. Four more years. That's what you're saying. I, I get it, Dave. I hear you. Stop putting your Obama propaganda into my podcast. Uh, and then there's the uh, there's the underclass, which is just the downbeaten, brutalized poor who are the largest number, but with the least amount of power. Uh, who don't really have a leader as of right now, but they will have one soon because that's how these things always go. Could it just be the the Chapo Trap House people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the Chapo Trap House guys for sure. Those yeah. <laughs> we uh, f- funded the revolution through a Patreon and a podcast, so it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of. Uh, the negotiations, negotiations with them are going to be a lot of comedy that have a lot of references that no one understands. It's like reading a Dune book where you have to look in the back of the glossary to see what's happening. <laughs> there was, when I started doing open mic uh, in Melbourne, there was a comedian who genuinely was a bit in that way where... His references were genuinely, I think, quite smart. Like, I don't think they... I think yeah. he was probably, you know, he probably could have written a you know, a, a good series of New Yorker cartoons or something like that. You know, he had a uh-huh. highbrow yeah. sense of humour. Yeah. But it just did not quite translate because so many of his punchlines were like, you know, like Stalin. And expecting people <laughs> would know quite a complex history behind what he was saying to understand the reference rather than kind of explaining it. And so he was kind of always right. He just hadn't shown the working on the way to let people kind of in on the joke. And I was obsessed by him as a comedian because I would just, like you get to the end of these things and he'd be like, you know, like the situation was in Belgrade on that Thursday morning. <laughs> Why is this not manly? It's amazing. I do not know. Why this is not landing? It's a perfect Have you thought joke. that maybe he was a time traveler? I mean, like he came from the future where people have all know their history at that point. And you know what I love the most about that is the the idea that some time traveler has used the idea to go back and do open mic stand up. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to dominate. I've the got open, a plan. I'm going to dominate the open mics in Melbourne in the early 2000s with this. That's what I'm going to do with the power of time travel. Not going to kill the baby Hitler? No, no siree. Comedy. Um, okay, so who else is there? Who haven't we put on the table yet, the final battle? Um, there is the, uh, well, so we got the, but then you have, you have the, um, uh, I would say there's a, sort of militant uh, minority group 
that's been rising up. And I, I think that there's a, I think that there, you know, through, through art, through rap and, and other things, I think there's a whole uh, group of people out there that are sort of not categorized, um, but they're very smart and they have a very clear understanding of power structures. And, and I think they've been doing a lot of reading and a lot of understanding of how to, how to um, topple those power structures. And I think we're getting a taste of that right now. Well, yeah, I, 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 I literally had that thought this week and I don't mean this in a flippant way, but I really had that moment where I was like, well, we're in a global pandemic and it turns out the guy who was from The Apprentice isn't that good at being a president. Um, he's a fascist, but at least uh, the rapper from my favorite rap groups really eloquent and knows what's going on. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, man, like, uh, like, I mean, I am a big Run the Jewels fan and like I've followed Killer Mike for like a very long time and just been yeah. interested in his career from very, very early on and then was equally fascinated by his evolution in his politics and what it is that that journey he's mm-hmm. been on with, you know. But the the voice that he has become and the way that he speaks, and no one can speak perfectly about issues or please everybody, but there is a genuine, you know, interest in his community in all its complexities and yeah he has a Mm -hmm. very powerful way of representing his community and you know you know leading in his community in a way that you did not see from a whole bunch of fucking politicians who are meant to have actually that job yeah yeah i mean i and i think that's what i'm talking about i think i think if you go and you know go read what ice cube is saying on twitter or ice t and and there's it's not it's not what you get through these fucking rich liberal elites in the media. There's just a realness to what they're stating and they're calling out the inequality and they're calling out the bullshit that's going on. But they do it in a very real way because they were raised in a different fucking culture that calls out bullshit. And I think that we live in a society and that's what you're that's that's really the biggest fucking thing that's just that's just collapsing is you have a, a generation 40 and over who are very comfortable with just being lied to and told bullshit. And then you have a generation under that who will accept absolutely no bullshit. And so those two things are, are in complete friction and collapsing. And like I was, there's a, a writer, um, a black guy writer that I follow on Twitter and he, and he just tweeted like, uh, Oh, okay. So Al Sharpton's doing a March. And he's gotten all these families of people who have lost uh, a family member to the cops. And he's going to do a march. So they're trying to take our fucking movement. Here they come. So it's, you know, it's the same in every in every community in in America, black, white, whatever. Uh, there is a is an older group of people who want to keep the bullshit and be able to keep lying to people. And then there's a, a younger one that is like, no, we're going to tell the fucking truth now. And you're going to deal with the fucking consequences. So I, I was watching a woman. Uh, I, I went to a protest yesterday um, downtown, and there was a Black Lives woman who had uh, a megaphone, and uh, she was chanting and doing stuff and getting getting right up in cops' faces and screaming at them, and everyone was chanting along. And it was very much. Um, I realized. All of the white, uh, older, I won't even say white, all of the leaders in the Democratic Party 
have no oratory skills. They don't have the ability to rile up a crowd. You know, Bernie did. And that's why he was so big with the young. But for the most part, all of those leaders that I'm seeing on the Democratic side, you know what you need? You need a, a, a guy who can go out and speak. You know, there's a reason Hitler fucking took off. And there's a reason that Trump has crowds because Trump is a showman. And you need a showman to fight the showman. I think oh, you're being, you are being very unfair on Joe Biden, who, you know, speaks the language of the streets. <laughs> Corn pop. Listen, fat. I mean, just, his phrases are so eloquent and they're just things that roll off your tongue. He, I believe, is one of the floating members of the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> Even ghost of face killer, they call him, I believe. Uh, oh God. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's hard. It's hard to watch and they're going to, they're going to get completely usurped by a uh, uh, young leaders are coming. Someone, there was a young woman who I, actually, she wasn't young. I thought she was like 25. She gave a speech, uh, the night all this shit kicked off and it went viral and I was like, this fucking woman. I know who you're talking about. I watched that. Hold Incredible. You do, yeah. right? Like that was that was electric. Mm. Those people will come out of this thing, this protest movement, and within a couple of months there will be two or three of them and they will be in charge and leading because that's how these things go. Because when you go down to downtown and there's a bunch of you standing around, you want someone to stand up on something and start talking. And once someone does that who's magnetic, forget about it. They're going to have to fucking kill him like they killed Fred Hampton. But if they do it this time, they're going to die because people are going to tear down their houses and tear down their fucking buildings. You don't get to kill Fred Hampton again. If you try it, everything you love is going to be gone. That's what's going to happen to them. And they're going to try it. But that's, that's the way these things go. The camera and social media, like, obviously, clearly are playing. I mean, it happened, you know, in the, you know, revolution, some of which were successful and not successful, but in the uprising, yeah. uh, social media was a very big part of that overseas. <clears throat> it's clearly being a big part of it here because what's reflected on the news versus what's reflected by, you know, clips that are passed around social media or things that are just captured on people's cameras, because a lot of this is going to be not the news reports on the scene. It's going to be, you know, citizen journalists in a sense, you know, capturing things on your phone yeah. and using those things to be able to, you know, you know, uh, use them as evidence. But I think also just the power of these voices. So, Take aside, obviously, the filming of these atrocities, which, of course, is very powerful in its own way. But sometimes those things will actually get shown on television. The things that rarely ever got shown on television were these powerful voices that didn't fit the norm of what the commentators were meant to be. They were the things that were shut out entirely from the news cycle. And the amount of times that some yeah. news reporter now throws a microphone in front of somebody and expects that they won't know why they're marching or that they won't be able to speak eloquently to the point uh -huh. they're making or these sort of things because that's what the the, the narrative they're being uh, fed through the mainstream media is that these aren't all real protesters and they aren't all really compassionate and half of them are looters and all this sort of stuff. And so these camera crews wander in and ask them questions and then suddenly 
you're like, fucking hell, man. Like, not only are these people incredibly eloquent and understand the reasons that they are there, but these are just passionate voices who know this shit, not because they sat at home and learnt a script about this. They are able to speak eloquently and passionately about this topic because they've fucking thought about it every day for their entire fucking lives because it's the reality in which they live. Like, we wander in a little bit like, oh, they won't be able to recite the key talking points. They don't need to because as long as they talk about what their experience has been like, it, it, it gets to all the key talking points. You don't need to have a fucking sheet in front of you. Yeah. Just tell me a little bit about what how your life has been impacted. That'll do. But yeah, those things. You know, you know, you've also you've also had a generation now that's grown up on YouTube and and um and and yearn to be YouTubers. So a lot of them have actually practiced almost like us going to open mics. Like a lot of them actually tried to make videos and done this stuff and 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 they've learned how to be concise with their words and they learn and they've learned the techniques of how to speak and what to do. And the other, and then the other thing is is they've watched so many fucking speeches, they have watched it much more than we ever had access to. It's just like when you when you see someone going to a stand up club and they're brand new, but you look at them and you go, "How are they brand new?" Like they know, like they they carry themselves in a different way. It's because they've watched so much more stand up than we were able ever able to, and they've absorbed so much of it. Well, I think the same thing is happening with just how to get your point across and, and how to say what you want to say. It just feels that way. Anyway, I'm seeing it so much. Yeah, I absolutely. Well, I mean, that's that the aspect of the memification of that generation is that the yeah. capacity to communicate in short, sharp ways, both visually and around language is it's often diminished, but we know as writers the skill of being able to do something in so few words is actually what you aspire to. Anyone can write a yeah. point in if they've got as many words as they fucking need. You'll eventually get around to the fucking point you were trying to make. But your capacity uh, to bring that entire thing down to the minimum amount of words is actually what you're going for. And that's what meme culture actually teaches, right? Yeah, totally. 100%. It's it's all about getting your point down to the and, – and Twitter too, right? I mean, it's all about getting your point down to the – the smallest amount of words you possibly can, which is all writing. That's screenwriting. That's comedy writing. That's every, that's every kind of writing. Use the least amount of words you, you possibly can. And then that's yeah, Twitter, Twitter went just, the wrong way, didn't they? Twitter should have gone to the direction of going, no, we're going to give you less words. You've really got to think about the point you're going to try to fucking make. We've given you too many characters. I reckon that's the problem. Twitter 2028. Four words. Well, you know, the thing is, it would actually just make you think about what you were tweeting a little bit more because you would actually have to yeah. physically manipulate the idea of like, how do I... So you would actually have to think about it a little bit more than just firing it off. Dave, But I'm we did before personally. they... <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I've it's never a, been on Twitter. It's a message for you uh, But remember when Twitter doubled the amount of words? Yeah. It, it, like it got so easy because I remember you would try to make a tweet and cram it in that little tiny bit. And it was it was like a puzzle. And now you don't have to do it anymore. You can bang no. it out now. Yeah, well, we don't want to have to actually you know, think about things in any way. Um, all right. So you <laughs> as a uh, person who, you know, there's enough on the record now. You know, I used to worry about Amy. Uh, typing death threats under Donald Trump posts on the internet because I was like, come on, honey, 
you, you just can't threaten the life of the president if we ever want to go back to America. But, you know, <laughs> it's, I, don't, I really just let her do what she wants to fucking do these days because the truth of it is that by the definitions of who he thinks is an enemy, we are already well and truly on the enemy's list before it comes to, you know, like comments on Instagram yeah. posts, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but I'm not there. And I don't need to really go back there, to be honest. I'd like to. I, I love America and I had such a good time. Like, well, I loved my experience of America, right? Like, you know, touring around, doing stand-up comedy yeah. and visiting a lot of places and meeting a lot of the nice people. That was my experience of it. That's clearly not the, you know, overall general experience of what it is to be an American living in America. And uh, yeah. so... Like, how much genuine fear do you like? I mean, we've, yeah, we've talked about it, but we like, if I'm being really serious about it, like, do because if what you're saying is true, it's like the environment, right? If what you're saying is true, are we panicked enough? <laughs> you got, I mean, yeah, you're, I mean, Amy can say whatever she wants because you guys are in Australia and I don't think. Based on the reaction I've seen Australians having, even even you know you had that Australian woman and her and her cameraman get punched and you know that stuff. Even it felt like your right wing was like, "Well, wait a minute, what? Mm-hmm. What's what's what? Why? What are you doing? We weren't, we yeah. didn't want to do that. We just wanted to we just want to keep coal going. Uh, that's a little far. Uh, so, yeah, look if. If you're me, I'm on a lower, lower down level of people who who uh, will be in trouble. But look, if you're if you're watching this, it feels exactly like a South American classic CIA back takeover of a country. It feels like Chile. You know, it feels like all those things we've seen in history. And when they happen, they happen with a speed that is startling. So we're not at the point where that happens yet, but if that happens, yeah, I'm probably fucked. I okay. mean, honestly. Well, that's, I mean, let's get a few more episodes in before that then. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Sam. I mean, if you have to write to me at Dodger stadium, things yeah. haven't gone well. All I'm just going to say is, can we get a few episodes bank before you get, uh, in the goo in the gulag? So, um, it, so what I would, okay. Worst case scenario, let's just assume everything that goes bad could just continues to go bad and other bad things happen. Um, what does America look like in five years? Worst case scenario. If everything, if everything goes bad, bad, bad. Well. <clears throat> is there I mean, an America in five years? <laughs> no. I mean, no, there isn't. I think, um, I think if this, if, if it goes bad, like the bad version is the, those Christian soldiers come out. He's already, he's already taken the border patrol off the border and sent them all around the country. He just did that a couple of days ago. Good time to sneak in. Ice is here. What? Good time to sneak in or out, actually. Good time to sneak out. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, ice is everywhere. That's a that's very much a fascist uh, police force since the beginning. Um, and then the cops are 
far more startling than I, I they're so much more brazen than I thought. So you have all of those groups that are really fat. They're the fascist forces. And then the, the forces that compete against them would be the military and the national guard. Like those, those forces would be opposed probably military would be fighting each other also. So, but really what would happen, the first thing that would happen is uh, they would start rounding people up like Pinochet did. And within two months, you'd have millions of Americas living in stadiums and things like that. We have, we have a lot of football stadiums. We have a lot of baseball stadiums. And that's where they put political prisoners when things like this go down. So, you know, they'd have a shitload of people living in prisons. And then they would just start killing people. Or even worse, making them watch baseball. So, you know, it could be worse. <laughs> If I, had, if I had the choice of the two, You're talking if, about I'm at, if I'm at a it's, baseball stadium and they say, we can yeah. either kill you now or you have to watch baseball, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be put out of my misery. I feel like you're talking about the American League, just this the league without the designated hitter, because I think National League <laughs> is definitely better than a camp. <laughs> uh, Their new slogan, when they come back, definitely better than a death camp. <laughs> We could be using this stadium for a death camp. We just want you to remember that when you tell us baseball is boring. We can start executing people. We can go the other way. We can get Bane back in here. What do you fucking want? Uh, So after that would happen, then I think that, look, there's just so many guns. And as much as people want to pretend like people on the left don't have guns, people on the left have guns. And there's just been too many... American soldiers who had to go fight a war because they were poor and sorry, but those people aren't right wing. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of black, there's been a lot of black, uh, heavy, much more than the population percentage. Uh, same with uh, Latino and, you know, so you've got a lot of that and, and those people aren't, aren't going to break right. They're going to break left. There's, if in five years, if it worst case scenario is this country is just fucking rubble. I mean, that's once the fighting starts in America, it's it's going to be like nothing anyone has ever seen. I mean, nothing like anyone has ever seen. Do you think that the we get to a situation where because America, like if the you know, previously most powerful country in the entire world, right? Biggest economy in the world, all those sort of mm-hmm. things that it was, you know, living on a credit card for a very long time. But and, you yeah. know, like to to be honest, you know much more people much more impressed by you know the celebrity of america very much somebody who was doing up the outside of the house and not really paying much attention to the structural (laughs) damage that was being done inside but you know putting on a good facade and smiling for the cameras adding an extra layer of vaseline it was you know we could all see that the you know the team on uh bold and the beautiful weren't weren't the same age they were when they started doing the show 45 years ago but you know they look the same age (laughs) If you just fuzzy out the camera enough. Anyway, America. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> the idea that it would be gone, though, particularly when America has such a huge military, like, do other countries get involved at some point to, like, can other countries let no. America? What happens? Well, I mean, the biggest concern is China, right? Because China just needs us so badly mm. to sell things to. Mm. But those days are over. Like, I don't think I don't and look, America's never going to be the same. Um, either either we break 
much more socialist or, you know, it's a fascist crackdown and no one's buying anything. But either way, it's not happening. We're just not going to be propping up other economies with shit we buy anymore. It's gone. So I don't think any other countries are get involved. The only one that concerns me is China. Um, I do. I do. There's definitely a concern that he will go to war with China if if he can. I could see him doing that in a heartbeat. What what from you know, the they, public proclamations about China that he's made constantly has made you think that he would like to have a war with China? Well, I don't even I don't even believe any of his public uh, proclamations. Uh, the biggest problem with China is that you know anybody who tries to unpeg oil from or, or not use the dollar anymore in their economies, we usually invade or destroy. I mean that's that's Iraq. That's like any country that's like I'm not going to use American dollars anymore. We we just fucking obliterate. So China's been doing that. So that's a that's a concern. But look, we can't beat China in a war. China would just fucking annihilate us. Well, China, <laughs> chances are China would actually annihilate Australia as a fucking warning shot to America would be what actually happened. Yeah, because yeah. as we're like a you know an ally with the US, we would be a very convenient fucking like you know like I mean yeah. literally there's fucking what twenty five million of us. China could take over Australia in a fucking good afternoon if they really put their mind to it. <laughs> Literally. Do you know what I mean? Like, just as yeah. a warning shot. And, and, the other thing, and the other thing about America is our our military is just so fucking old and stupid. Like, you know, our aircraft carriers and all of our shit that's just, you know, you know, the, the next war is going to be fought through computers and, and shit like that. It's not going to be fought with a aircraft carrier pulling in and shooting off planes and bombing your city. That's just not how it's going to work. And everything I've read is that China's pretty on top of all that shit. I just, I, I just think we're so, I mean, the problems you see now in every facet of our society is because all of these children of children of someone who was, who was successful have now risen, uh, you know, through, nepotism into positions they have no right being in and they're all really bad at their jobs and so that's why america's you know big part of why america's collapsing because all of our so-called great minds are really just genuinely fucking useless idiots well and so i think that also as, goes as someone who was born into a podcasting family and a podcasting identity and got my breaking podcasting <laughs> through my family's connections in the podcasting industry firstly i absolutely resent that but secondly absolutely so so how does that get wound back in any way so external to the political forces that are at play in america and the divisions between people like on a literal sense if we go back to the system itself the fact that jeff bezos you know during this time has exponentially accelerated his already incredibly obscene wealth and yeah the circumstances have only suited him and reinforcing you know the power and wealth that he has and the system that he dominates but also to a certain extent the big tech companies that also you know influence so much of the information we get and the way that we think and you know the way that we use our time you know when we're at home online all the time again we're leaning into the very things that were already damaging our society online shopping and you know the online world and the way that it you know yeah. affects all those things were only intensified by the particular circumstances we're currently going through so regardless of like you know 
Because I still, I still think there is that belief by some people. It's like, well, you vote out Trump and America's fine, right? I mean, by people who aren't paying attention, but I no. believe that that is, <laughs> that is still out there. But even if America burns to the fucking ground, does Amazon still own everything? Or because there's no Americans that buy Amazon shit, does it diminish in power? Just yeah, I mean, Amazon is a store. And I think that as much as they do, they're also running on you know stock market money. So I don't think... Uh, Amazon would be one of those things that would go kaput, I think. I mean, who the fuck knows, though? Like, I, 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 like who, who knows what the collapse is actually going to be like? Like, would little enclaves of rich people just be fine and, you know, having military, uh, private military guys protect them? Like, what's it look like? I, to me, uh, you know... I think Jimmy Dore keeps saying it's going to be like Brazil, which does seem sort of an appropriate comparison. But the problem, the problem, Terry Gilliam movie. Yeah, that's right, the Terry Gilliam. So we're all going to be getting our faces stretched really, really, just crazily, uh, and, then, and then plumbers are super weird. That's uh, that's basically it. <laughs> that's America. Oh man. Uh, okay. So all right. So the disparity in wealth situation that clearly, you know, you know, is into play. And so this is why this scenario that's currently happening, I think there's so much suspicion and resentment and, you know, different opinions and people have never felt more desire, divided about the way that they're being represented and things have never felt more frayed, you know. Um, and you have this like, you know, perfect scenario for so many things to absolutely go terribly, you know. Um, the idea that it would be in the middle of a pandemic, that elections might get suspended, that he is running, that, you know, this person who is this, you know, fascist dictator is running against the worst possible candidate you could have to knock over this, you know, fascist dictator. If Biden wins, the only reason he won is because, you know, people were like, you know what, you're just not a fascist dictator. That, that's the only reason that he could possibly win. There's no other compelling reason. That he it's win. literally like it's literally like running a dead person against a fascist yeah. just to see who's going to win. I mean, it's it's he's the most useless thing I've ever seen. It's just unbelievable. He's going to get all the we don't want to be fascist votes, and you just hope that's enough. You just hope there's a this is what it has come to. You just hope there's enough Americans who just don't want to be fascists enough to do whatever the alternative is. And if he does not win the election, then there were more people who just went, "Nah, I reckon fascism's better." <laughs> well, here's the here's the dumb part. This is where you get into the dumb part. Do you remember the Jade Helm episode of the Dollop, where uh, Obama was the- president? Okay. Obama was president, and all these Texans thought that Obama was going to invade Texas, doing it through tunnels mm. under Walmarts. Yep, you're going to tell me that's true. That's true. That's a, that's a true story. <laughs> and there are tunnels that turned out to be un- true. <laughs> turned out. Sorry, <laughs> this is a retraction of sorts. Uh, turned out that was absolutely true. Uh, they've discovered a lot of holes in Walmart. Wal- Wal- uh, tunnels all over the country, <laughs> secret tunnels that the Walmart family actually goes yeah. through every to get from place to place. Yeah, it turned out every every Walmart was created <laughs> as an invasion point for America to invade America. Who knew? So. So, so those people are are you know they apparently were not just in that area, but they were everywhere. And and right now, they're all scared of Antifa, 
which um, means anti-fascist, but they have decided are the true fascists. So, so the exciting thing about fascism when it comes to your country is that the fascists are so dumb that they think they're not fascists and they literally fight something, an, a group, which isn't even organized, but a group of people who call themselves Antifa because they're anti-fascist. So the, fas- the anti-fascists are being called the fascists by the actual fascists. So you, if only we'd taken this approach in the war it- on drugs, where drugs had said, no, you're drugs. <laughs> It has many applications. <laughs> <laughs> so the town uh, 20 miles away from me, uh, they have uh, all the curfews are now gone. They ended today because uh, the ACLU sued Los Angeles County. So explain for people who weren't following the curfews, because, again, this is, again, like the world you're fucking living in at the moment where, like, there's fucking curfews yeah. and like you've barely been able to leave the fucking house anyway. And now there's like police curfews because of like violence on the fuck. Is that why the, were the curfews put in place because of like, is that the reason for them? Well, the, yeah. So uh, curfews uh, ostensibly are to stop looters, right? Um, the thing about riots, uh, which have been going on forever all over the world, is that uh, riots are one of two things happen. The police allow them to just keep going on so then they can have a brutal crackdown upon those rioters, like that happened in the 70s in Italy. Um, or uh, you have the rioters go out and then uh, and they start destroying stuff and and you get it on camera until the the populace turns against them and says, stop it, and then you crack down with the cops. In this case... And, and it also happened in, in Italy and everywhere else. The right wing has been doing this for a long time, particularly in fascist takeovers, is that they send out their own fascists into the crowd. So there's cops uh, dressed up like protesters, and they're the ones who break the windows, and they're the ones who start the looting. And they, they, they always are the first ones to do all that stuff. They're the first ones to you know throw shit at cops. They're always the instigators of... And it's always right wing guys within the crowd. That's just what history. And shows. I've got to say, like, I mean, so I know a that's a that very terrible on. thing, but also, there is a part of me that just goes, "That is smart." If you like are a like right wing, you know, powerful dictator, and you oh, want yeah. to discredit these people, the easiest, like, the dude who first came up with that, like, and it would have been a dude whenever this first came up, but that first yeah. person who walked into a meeting about like yeah, the people's uprising and went, "What if we just." dress up people as the common people and then, you know, yeah, make them, like, you know, escalate the situation and do damaging things. And, like, again, this is the era of the the phone. There's been so much, like, you can hear about that and it can feel like a conspiracy yeah. theory. But there have been so many examples of going, look at this person and the way they're behaving. And you might not necessarily know it's a cop or a, who they're working for or what agenda they have, but they're clearly someone who has an agenda other than, like what is being presented is what is happening. Yes. Like the guy smashing the windows or the police unloading the bricks or whatever it is, whatever agenda it is that they are pursuing, it is not an agenda that is in line with like the agenda of what the protest is. It is only there to escalate it in some way. And it, each city is learning what the cops, because the cops have an armband that they wear. So mm. if a guy has gone into the crowd and he's going to start shit, 
uh, he'll have a purple armband on, and then you see two or three guys during the day doing the same thing, and they like today in New York City, it's fluorescent green. The cops in the in the protesters are wearing fluorescent green armbands. Uh, three days ago in L.A., it was purple armbands. Because we, once we get the information, we try to send it out to as many people as possible so everyone knows that's a bad guy within your crowd. Um, but it's very smart. It's just a simple tactics thing. It's what's been used against unions forever. Any sort of labor struggle, this has always been going on. So it's just a, it's a very smart tactic if you're trying to fuck with a bunch of people who are peaceful protesters or just revolutionaries. It's it's smart. You know, it'd be a good job. Would be a a good job. Would be a um, I might turn informant against the comedy community. I'd be like, I'm going to come and work for you, motherfuckers, and I'm going to infiltrate these bloody left wing, you know, fucking social commentators with their comedy podcasts, always banging on about their revolutionary politics, and I'm going to infiltrate their crowd. I'm going to lure them in. I'm going to ask them to do uh, my podcast, and I'm going to find out all their vital information, and um, I'm going to be your inside man. I'm going to be. I'll be wearing my fluorescent green armband when I'm backstage at that comedy club. Yeah. Do you know who this sounds like to me? Who? Justin Hamilton. <laughs> I'm just saying watch that guy and watch him fucking close. Uh, Justin was saying recently that COVID had made him examine what his place in the comedy community was. So maybe he's actually, that's what he was talking about. He's turned state's evidence against the comedy community. <laughs> The amount of crimes that are yeah, committed what, in our community, it would be a lucrative little inside job. <laughs> I mean, when I when I first started protesting, the uh, I guess the first big thing I was involved in was the uh, the Gulf War, which was the first George Bush, Tiger Woods, Kuwait, Ernie uh, Els. That's right, that one. Uh, and and I, I was told by old old protesters, like the FBI will try to infiltrate the group. And sure enough, a couple of guys came in and were like, we should bomb. We should bomb campus. Let's just get some bombs out there. And everyone was just like, dude, calm down. He's like, come on, we got to get some bombs. Anybody want to join me? And everyone was like, you're obviously FBI and you're not good at this. Um, so, look, these guys have always been around. So, But what's happened here is it, this is the stupid part. This is where it gets into stupid. Like, that's all like, yeah, those are tactics and those are how different sides fight each other. But in America, there's the Jade Helm people, right? So, So now... They have seen the so-called instigators on Fox News, and that's all they're showing on Fox News. And then there's the Antifa part of it. So they, you know, Bush always talk, talks up the anti-fascists. And now all of these communities think that Antifa is going to come in mass to their towns and attack them. Mm. So literally 20 minutes away from me, Santa Clarita has passed a curfew not because they think there's going to be rioting, but because they think Antifa is coming to attack them in their homes. And, and they have guards out with guns, like civilians out with guns, to protect themselves from the anti-fascists who they think are fascists. And this is happening all over America. All of these little towns are now preparing for an invasion of college-aged white students who they think are fascists. It's all very normal. So... That's 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 a hard one. <laughs> a real, real, real tricky bugger. That one is a real, real thought twister. Um, yeah, because of course that's the only way that you can deal with 
like anti-fascists is to relabel them fascists because otherwise you're saying if they are my yeah. enemy and they're anti-fascists, it therefore defines me as being fascist. So like you can't just right. say they're anti-fascists and we are, you can't be fascist to own the fucking lips, you know? Although I think some people probably right. are, you know, I do think that there is some performative fascism yeah, yeah, yeah. Mis- mixed in with the fucking rest of it, but, and some nihilism and yeah, sure. all those sort of things that, you know, like and look to be honest there's a real link particularly in america between the anti-vaccination movement and the alt-right and stuff now so there's suddenly become some really strange bedfellows because in australia the anti-vax movement is very much your sort of um alternative lifestyle hippie lifestyle you know perhaps you know modern day influencer turned bohemian you know lifestyle that you know that sort of world but it's it, it's kind of not what would identify as the opposite of the alt right, but now that that's becoming sort of an alt right world, then suddenly you're like, oh god, I don't even know where any of this makes sense anymore. What what's happening? Like, is that yoga instructor well, yeah, like that, a that's Nazi the... now? Like, what's going on? I mean, yeah, it's completely insane. All of the people that are getting in bed together, you're like, wait, hamsters can't be friends with cats. Like, what the fuck? They, they're supposed to be enemies. None of it makes sense, but there they are hanging out. And you're like, I guess they're together because all those anti-vaxxers were a big part of the people who protested us being in lockdown because uh, of COVID. A- and you were just like, what the fuck is this makeup of people? Like, it's just bizarre. But when when everything starts to fall apart in your society and and it used to just be liberals versus conservatives. But now there's all these different camps popping up. And, and and people can't wrap their heads around how just reality is sort of falling apart. So they just start grabbing onto weird well, shit. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, you talk about the news and again, and, come back to, you know, Rupert Murdoch being the architect of every single thing that is happening at the moment. I don't mean necessarily intentionally, yes. but I mean, yes. this is all a product of his fucking, you know, uh, fruits of a fucking poisonous yes. tree or whatever they call it, right? Like it is... It is him at the the basis and the heart of this and the way that the, he destroyed news so that so much of this was allowed to happen because I get the idea that people think the mainstream news is bullshit because the mainstream news is bullshit, right? But the next logical thing to mm-hmm. – and they are lying to us all the time or at least ignoring the truth or presenting only one version of the truth or moulding it to a particular comfortable narrative at all times. And so I get the suspicion of those – you know, media sources, and you should be suspicious and vigilant, you know, about what it is that you're learning. But then there is this jump to, and we see it manifest itself in conspiracy theory, clearly, right? And the other one is in, you know, that sort of alternative medicine, you know, anti-vaccination community that is very hardcore about what it is that they believe and has become incredibly tribal and vicious about what it is they believe. Yeah. And and again, remember, the anti-vaccination thing, which has also been around for ages, but our current anti-vaccination movement is all based upon a doctor who who lied. Right. This one fucking doctor started lying in his in his supposed research and then it all kicked off. So, I mean, their entire thing is already based on falsehood. Is it, though? Because that doctor had been vaccinated <laughs> and maybe that vaccine turned him into a dirty, rotten fucking liar. Do you know what I mean? Like, have you considered the idea it was the vaccine? If he hadn't been vaccinated, he wouldn't be a dirty fucking rotten liar. No, all right. That's fair. That's a good point. He's a real piece of shit. And if, yeah, no, I mean, the correlation's there. You can see it. It's clear as day. Exactly. If you get a vaccine, you you can be turned into a real huge fucking piece of shit. It sounds like it makes sense. And that's all I really need. (laughs) 
I mean, you guys have a pretty big uh, population of anti-vaxxers, right? From what I've seen. It seems well, like where it. I live. So I've just moved to the heartland of that in Australia. Oh. So the nearest, the nearest town to where I live, yeah, where we will go to do the shopping and stuff is the, I think, the highest percentage of anti-vaxxers per capita in all of Australia. Yeah. It is an alternative lifestyle sort of, you know, vibe and community and always has been so. Uh, but that is the sort of the end of that there's a lot of really good things about that sort of lifestyle and there is that end of it that kind of leans into the don't believe science and things that probably bill gates invented coronavirus because of something about 5g <laughs> well we i mean that's uh, you know they've, they've actually proven a link between 5g and covid and i don't want to get into that but that's pretty solid um <laughs> <laughs> Dave will be selling the dollop to uh, Spotify for $160 million. Yeah, it's uh, uh, see for us here um, where it really caught on was really rich liberals. So rich Hollywood type New York uh, type of people who were Democrats is probably the highest percentage of anti-vaxxers. Which is, you know, weird. You would think it would be the more hippie-ish types, but it's not. And then, of course, you have the, the right wing who just don't trust any, anything at all. Why would you? 25% of Americans don't want the vaccine, a COVID vaccine, when it comes out. The, man, what's happened to us? Like, what has happened to us? <laughs> Should we not be better than this? What has happened? Yes. We're, like, we, why we are we still ready. having these ridiculous, idiotic conversations? What, what went wrong? We weren't ready for the internet. And I don't know if we ever could be ready for the internet. Look, we're, we're human yeah, beings. That's... We're not supposed to be living like this. We're supposed to be... I, sh- I should have never met you. I should be living in a little village, and I know about 100 people maybe, and some dude comes into town uh, you know, every six months, and he's like, hey... You know the village, uh, the one 200 miles away? Uh, they're all dead. And you're like, holy shit. And then, and then you just talk about that for a few weeks and you wonder, you know, who did that and what happened. And you just go about your life. But now... That's what I do. You, you get that? I would just go and tell people that even when the village wasn't... They were all still alive, <laughs> happily alive. But how, would the, how the fuck would they know? I go... And you know what? Get, By the time they found out, I'd be 200 miles away at another village telling them that you were all dead. So take that. <laughs> Except you get there and then you find out that some guy's wife came from the other village and she's like, I know this fucking guy. I know this guy. And then you have to be like, she's the one who did it. And then <laughs> she killed them all. It starts. <laughs> and they'll believe me because I was a man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Now we're getting there. Yeah, so I just don't think our brains are capable of handling all the information we're getting. Just scrambling people's fucking brains. How much can you take in? Uh, It is such an interesting idea because it has completely, obviously, changed the world forever. Like, you know, in a way that we will never go back to what we were before the internet, right? Like, there's just no way. Right. We're, we're, we're too far gone into the internet and the way that it has shaped and changed our minds. People talk about we'll feel the ramifications of the pandemic for the next two years to 10 years because that's, 
generally what happens, you know, all, all the extra mm-hmm. complications that happen out of these things, you will feel them. They will influence everything for the next, next decade. The in- internet could go away tomorrow and it would affect everything in, in a, probably yeah. a bigger way than the fucking pandemic has. If the internet suddenly yeah. went out tomorrow, can you imagine everything that would fucking stop working if the internet stopped working tomorrow? Like, not giving anyone ideas, but like, really, if Bill Gates was going to fuck the world, don't you reckon that's what he'd do? Like, anyway, sorry, <laughs> I've disproved your whole documentary. I'm sorry, but I like just if he was like, I just pulled this plug out. I was oh fuck, see that these fuckers. Well, I don't have to invent a worldwide fucking <clears throat> pandemic. Does Morrison have a kill switch for the internet? A kill switch? I fucking hope not. Is he meant to? Trump has a kill switch. Trump can kill the American internet. I can't imagine they let him have the real switch. Sure. I know. Why would you let any fucking guy? So anyway, our president has a kill switch for the internet. So he can kill the internet in America. I mean, I imagine our government can. I can't imagine if there's one going around, our government hasn't invested in one. I, I can't imagine that Scott Morrison hasn't suggest, like you know just secretly put it in a kill switch somewhere, Matt Lauer style, under his fucking desk in his office, and he just kind of fiddles with it through the day, and that's how my podcast drop out. It's probably fucking Scotty yeah. just fiddling with his little kill switch under just to fuck up people's <laughs> day. He's just got like a soundboard where he can just drop your, your, <laughs> drop <laughs> your shit one day, drop me down, <laughs> delete just one side of that really good conversation. Fuck you. Fuck you, Scott. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You guys probably have it. If we have it, you guys have it. It's fine. Nothing will happen with that. I'm sure that won't be a problem as this shit falls apart. Oh, so we, here's here's my prediction. Uh, Trump isn't going to call off the election. And if you've been reading, but different states in America have really been yeah. fucking with their own elections. Uh, like Georgia, the governor there should not be governor. They stole that. Mm. North Carolina, as soon as uh, a Democratic governor won, I think it was Democratic governor, they immediately uh, switched the makeup of the Supreme Court, Wisconsin. So there's all these states that are doing all this shit. There's all these Republicans behind it. Well, that's what they're going to do with the election. And we're going to have a contested election in which neither one of them is the victor. It's almost like they've been using this time when people are distracted by other things to do some looting. So um, here's what I would say. <laughs> is, I agree with that because clearly you think that just even demographically, the sort of people who are most likely to ignore the idea of, because if there happened to be a second wave or the cities were just still, you know, genuinely shut down in some ways, they're most they're more likely to be, cities that favor you know democrats going out versus cities that favor you know and states that favor republicans going out there is that sense of the republicans are more likely to go out and vote or get the voting fucking done in those circumstances i would think yeah and then there's all this talk of uh of doing mail-in ballots but if you try to start doing mail-in ballots before the system is ready for it it makes it rife for um just fraud and so you know that's what happened in i think it was georgia where they just after the election, they found a bunch of ballots that just had been thrown in a garage. Like, you know, so that's sort of unless you have all your ducks in a row and you put in a new system into place, it's not going to have good results. And everyone's rushing to put this system into place. They're not ready to put it in place. And it's just going to be a shit show. How many people are there in America? I think we're at 340 million. I might be wrong. 340 million. Currently, how many of those people are unemployed? Uh, I believe it is 40 to 50 million. And the government... 
normally the election is always what the first Tuesday in November. Is that right? Yeah, we're three hundred thirty-one million. Uh, yeah, first Tuesday in November, and then this year, this year it's not because of all the states uh, talking about doing mail-in voting. It's going to take a while to count. So you'll there will be a period of one to two weeks before anybody officially sends their results to the uh, to DC, the capital. Okay. So how about this? June, July, August, September, October. That's five uh-huh. months, right? Yeah. You're right. You've got 40 million people unemployed and nobody can really go yeah. outside. How about a government-sponsored ring around? You cancel all the elections, you phone bank it, and you just ask everyone in America who they want to vote for. Like it's just a, literally you just get a call one day, they're going down the checklist, okay. Dave, who do you want to Neither. vote for? And they just note it down and they go through everybody and ask them in the next five months. <laughs> I mean, the problem, so the pro, the first problem with your... Um, yeah with your idea is uh, who's going to make the calls? Well, I mean, you've got to have a selection of, you know, various supervisors and political interests. You can't have it. I mean, it's got to be a bipartisan jobs program. So you're putting these people into work, but you're also making sure that there's some sort of transparent process. Uh, I'm sorry, obviously uh, i got to stop you right there. You said you're putting them to work? Yeah, to work. So you're, so you, you, you're talking about hiring these people for a job? Yeah, hiring okay, these so people that's not going to happen. So, so what's like your a other way idea? to employ forty million Americans? <laughs> yeah, we don't. That's... We're not going to hire anybody. Why would we hire? I'm solving someone? two problems no. at the same time. It doesn't. We're, we're getting does... a democratically How elected does... president, and we're employing forty million people. How does it solve my problem to hire some freeloader who doesn't want to get a job somewhere? I'm not going to. These... Well, they are going to get a job. They're going to get a job uh, asking you who you're going to vote for in the election. No, we're uh, we're just not gonna. That would we would have to increase taxes to give people a job. We're not gonna do that. Okay, well we won't do that. Well, we've got you. Who are you gonna vote for? <laughs> we just shut it down now. We don't need to. Well, obviously I'm gonna vote for Trump. I think uh, I like Does, strong. Doesn't need leader. to be a phone call or an email, mate. We can just kick <laughs> it off right now. What is it? You can do it on Twitter if you want. Okay, it's not all phone banks. You let people vote in whatever forum they want to vote, but just everyone gets one sort of vote. And then they ring around for the people who don't have like Twitter or Facebook or whatever. They put up some polls. You vote on your poll. They add up the sum of all the polls and that's who win the election. Uh I'm down. Let's do it. It's just as reliable as what we have today. It's absolutely no different than the the just absolute mockery of an election system that America has. And, you know, the good news is if Trump won, he would have a handy list of all the names and addresses of the people who didn't vote for him that he could do with whatever he pleases. That's correct. (laughs) And let's just get to that anyway. Let's just get to that part where we find out what Trump does with all the people who have called him a dickhead on Twitter. Twitter. Let's just get there. What if? Why? This is a weird thing to ask, but we were having this conversation yesterday about the fact that the last two American presidents feel like they must have been the most high risk to protect as security, I guess is the way that I will put it, in that you could always imagine in Obama's years that there was going to be somebody who didn't want there to be a black president who might try to kill the president. And you always have imagined in Trump's years that you know, he is just the sort of person who might attract someone who thought that the best thing to do was assassinate the president. Like, yeah. would these be... These these have got to be the toughest, you know, like, I mean, the amount of security 
that there must be in place for you know attempts not to come on Trump's life must be incredibly uh, exhaustive. I imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine. Uh, and I know they were freaking out when he decided to walk out of the White House to the park. Like I, I know that Secret Service were like, "This is the worst idea ever." Uh, but yeah, I mean. I know someone who wanted to kill him. Uh, they couldn't pull it off. Uh, but there's, you know, both guys, and it's only going to get it worse with the next guy. Like, you know, I think from here on out, each successive president will have a greater threat against him. It's got to be a fucking nightmare to try to protect these guys. Although the cool thing about Biden is, is that he, when he goes into office, he'll already be dead. Mm. Is that so easier helpful. to protect, you reckon? So just be I like a couple so. of... Uh, Secret yeah, Service guys, Weekend at Birdie style. Just <laughs> him just on a jet jet ski boat, like yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, it's what it's going to be. They should get the security guys that um, followed Michael Jordan around during the last dance. <laughs> they should bring those guys back out of retirement. That guy with that curly mullet. They can get him back to protect the president. Those are the guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm still, you know, my my prediction has always been. Uh, that a Secret Service agent would kill Trump at some point, but we'll see. See, that's that's your next Gerard Butler movie. That's right? all you need. Yeah. Well, that's what he's done in the last couple of movies, right? He saves essentially America or America or like whatever. Like he saves the president, but he kind of saves America. That's those Gerard Butler movies, right? What if yeah. the 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 big twist they go in a different direction for the third one, which is he has to save America. By killing the president. There you go. There's yes. a fucking. There's yes. a good Jerry Butler movie. That's right. Now, yeah. It's po- just, it's POTUS just down. It's a- <laughs> POTUS has fallen. Uh, it'd just be so amazing to see a guy shoot the president in the back of the head in the Oval Office and the audience stand up and cheer. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that'd be incredible. <laughs> yeah. Well, somebody attracts uh, Trump, Trump Tower. It's like, so it's like, that's what it is. Um, all right, we should go. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time uh, out of your freedom fighting to uh, talk to me on my podcast. Yeah. I, I do appreciate it. It's uh, We have been very concerned about you all. It does feel terrifying to have, I mean, it shouldn't, it, look, and it doesn't. I can understand what it is like without having to have personal experience of it. But certainly when I was seeing images from LA where I was like, oh, that's not far from where I lived or that's where I would drive yeah. every day and look at what the fuck's going on. Um, I, I guess we always do that. Like that's the truth like that human beings do. Sometimes it takes something to be in your world before you can open your eyes and see, you know, what has been happening everywhere. But it is entirely confronting from another place to look at somewhere where a lot of your friends live or a lot of you know you know people that you really love and see what is fucking going on and it it, it is very terrifying amy amy certainly said to send her love because she's been you know worried about you guys and other friends we have over there and uh yeah it's um it feels like it's a really really fucking tough time to be in america right now it is I, i'm more than myself, I'm a little more concerned about the people who don't know how bad it is yet and aren't preparing in any way. Or, like, I, you know, Gareth's going to bug out. I'm going to bug out. Like, we're both trying to figure out how to get out of here. Um, there's just a lot of people who don't have that sort of wherewithal to realize how far it already is along and what 
I also think because Americans don't read history, they don't know what happens when that the hammer drops and how bad it gets. So, yeah, uh, it's a little concerning. I do think I'll be okay, but, you know, who the fuck knows? And on that note... Uh... <laughs> It's, um, mm-hmm. does this, I can tell everybody, I can tell everybody this is concerned about me. Yeah. Uh, there is a group that I have been, uh, offered a place in that if shit goes really bad, it's way out in the woods, everybody's armed and it's a community. And, and I do have a literal bug out place I can go if the shit gets really gnarly. Do they need someone to write the manifesto? Because <laughs> if I was looking for someone to punch up a manifesto, if my group had been working on a manifesto, but we wanted someone to come in and really fucking string it together into something very readable, then you would be the guy that I would tap for that fucking job. It would say fuckers a lot. It would definitely, the word fuckers would be in there a lot. Just you could do the manifesto. Yeah. You could take it on the road. You could do the manifesto, and Gareth could just like chip in improv bits, do some act outs. <laughs> uh, all right, my yeah, friend. For sure. um, it is uh, nice to see you and nice to talk to you. Um, uh, thank you for doing episode yeah. two hundred and ninety nine of this. You probably, I'm probably going to have to yeah. uh, like invite. Well, have to. I'd like to invite you back for. 300 because like you did the first one and you've been in every of that like you must have done 100 i assume and the 200 so sure yes yeah so can you come back and do 300 as well yeah yeah well yeah well for sure we'll see what episode of dope it is if anybody out there wants to tell me (laughs) so that i don't have to go back and count that would be really great you can hit me up on the socials um uh dave's podcast is called the dollop you can listen to that it turns out that fucking heaps of things that happened in the past just keep happening and if you know what happened in the past you can actually really obviously see what's happening now unfortunately so thank you for that it does it does help history helps Uh, does it though i feel much more worried about everything you know now than i did when i used to think the west wing was a good show like they were better times (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's true too much man too much uh thank you very much david all right say hi uh, to amy yeah Give her my I will, man. oh you've got to do a, a people got mad last right. time that you didn't do a a a, a faux something at the end oh uh faux fover for fover <laughs>